Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 today, still discussing unity and how the church is to be united, because I think that unity, I believe that unity is a vital issue to any church, to our church. United churches grow. Um, grow they grow in maturity, they grow, they grow in numbers. More people is a good thing because more people are more people hearing the gospel of Christ. And God loves people and wants people to be saved through the church. It's his bride. Uh, so if these, if these are things that are important to God, they should be important to us as well. And, and so today we're going to, this one is so basic. Uh, who are we following? I, it seems like a basic question. But I ask because... Apparently, it wasn't basic to the church in Corinth. Maybe there are... The more I read about the church in Corinth, the more I I feel like I'm looking at the church of the 21st century. So maybe if it wasn't as basic as it should have been for them, maybe we need to look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. And another, I follow Kephas. And still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Well, I'm thankful that I didn't baptize any of you, except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And that's how Paul kind of starts off his first letter to the Corinthians. I say first. I I think I've said before, this letter refers to a previous letter. And the second book of Corinthians refers to a letter that isn't 1 Corinthians that clearly takes place. Really what we have is 2nd and 4th Corinthians. That's that's just what we've got. And that's okay. These are the ones that God left us. It is hard to imagine that some people would follow Paul or Apollos, or Kephas is Peter, one of his other, his Aramaic name, um, Paul, or Peter, or Apollos, instead of Christ, or over Christ, um, and, and yet is that not the church of the 21st century? Is that not where we're at with, with, with all of the denominations that we've, 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 we've gone very, we've, we've gone very fractional in the church. Um, now, some background, Corinth was one of the biggest cities of the ancient world at that time. It was absolutely cosmopolitan. 
a melting pot of religions and faiths and worships and peoples and languages. And I would assume that their church was the same, that it was a melting pot of everything. Uh, Differences can be a hurdle at times. They can be even a problem for some, but we could fall into the same trap if we're not careful. We must follow Christ and Christ alone. Uh, And and to be clear, when we do that, that will always divide the Christian from the non-Christian, the church from the cult. Um, I think there's an excellent book that I've got probably three editions of on my shelf, Walter Martin's original book, The Kingdom of the Cults. Uh, it, it was updated by Hank Hanegraaff. It was updated by Ravi Zacharias. It's a good book, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the Cliff Notes version. You cut to the end. If you get the identity of Jesus wrong, you're in a cult. There's just every single group. There's like 18 or 20 or 25 cults in this group, and a lot of them call themselves Christians, but they're not. And the reason is their version of Jesus isn't the biblical version of Jesus. And if you get that one thing wrong, everything else spirals out of control. And so we don't follow people. And we don't follow our version of Jesus. We follow the biblical Jesus or not at all. Uh, If we are united as a church, it must be united behind the identity of Jesus. If we can't agree on who he is, we've got a big problem. Deuteronomy 6.4 is the pivotal focus verse of the Old Testament of the Jewish people, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And, and ask, ask anybody, uh, anybody of the Jewish faith, and, and, and I think almost all of them would probably say that that's kind of the core identity of, of what we rally around. Let us as Christians rally around John 14, 6. I am the way, and the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And if we get that, because those were his words, and if we get that wrong, well, then we're spinning out of control and we don't have the right to call ourselves Christians. It is the foundation of the church. So based on this passage that we've read, there's, there's some things I would, of course, want to say. The first is that we're united in his life and ministry. I find it interesting that there are two events that Paul brings up. Interesting but appropriate. The baptism of Christ and the death of Christ. These are the two things that, that, that Paul references out of the gate. The cross and the baptism. We talked about this just a week or two ago. Jesus Christ was baptized. Uh, in fact, it's the beginning. It's the kickoff of his ministry. Keep in mind, keep in mind. The birth of Christ is only in two of the four Gospels. I, I hate to ruin Christmas for everybody. It's my favorite holiday. It is. The birth of Christ is not that big of a deal and it's amazing i mean i know churches that the entire december sermon series is based upon those two chapters of the bible which just seems really out of focus when there's so many chapters in the bible but we got to spend one out of 12 focusing on these two chapters the birth of christ wasn't a big enough deal for mark or john to, to even write about i'm not saying they don't that it doesn't matter but in focus i find it interesting that mark and john we start with the baptism The baptism of Jesus is a big deal. It matters. He sets us an example that he expects us to follow. It kicks off his ministry, and his ministry matters. There are too many Christians out there that get really caught up 
in, in the cross. Hear me. <laughs> I got to finish this sentence because if you take a sound bite out, I'm in trouble. They get really caught up in the cross of Christ, which is good, and they end there. Um, yes, the death of Jesus saves us. Absolutely. But if that's all it was, the Gospels could be about two or three chapters each. The life of Jesus is where he teaches us and sets us an example. The ministry of Jesus matters, his teachings. It's not just the death of some random stranger on a cross that saves us, is it? Jesus Christ, our Savior, set us an example. And that example matters. His life, his ministry matters. Uh, we, we recognize that we, see, we need to see the life of Jesus and not just his death. Um, Jesus sets us an example of how to live a life that pleases God, that, that follows him, that, that directs us towards heaven. Too many Christians get baptized, they accept, they accept the blood of Jesus Christ for their sins, that's good, and then they quit. There's no attempt to live a holy life. There's no attempt to flee from sin. The, the, yeah, baptism is so important. But the reason, the reason I always say at the end of the sermon, you know, if you want to talk about baptism, let's have that conversation. There's two reasons. One is we don't keep water in there permanently. It would get moldy. And two, if you're not re- I, I want to talk with you because if you're not ready, I'm doing more harm than good. You're just getting wet. Um, baptism, that, it, baptism, if you're not ready and you don't know what you're getting into, you might pat yourself on the back and say, this is good, I'm saved. And too many people have done that. Too many people have this idea that, well, I got wet in the baptistry, so I'm good to go. And it doesn't matter. And it does matter because it's the first, just like Jesus, Mark and John beginning with baptism, it's the first step, not the last step, towards coming to God. And so it matters, Jesus' life and ministry, not just the death. We want to live that holy life. We want to flee sin. Baptism doesn't exist for the purpose of giving you permission to sin all the more. It doesn't just free you from the punishment of sin. It frees you from the power of sin. Becoming a Christian releases us from the hold that sin has over us. I know it's a struggle. But it's the beginning of being more and more Christ-like with less and less sin. And baptism is not the excuse to keep sinning. It's just the opposite. And if people don't get that, then there's no point baptizing them. What good does it do for Christ to redeem us if we fall back into our own sins, joyfully and and purposefully? (laughs) What good does it do to claim to be a Christian if we don't follow Christ? We cannot redefine what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who follows the example of of Christ. I gave that example recently that (laughs) that it it, it will go. I, I think it will go down in history as my favorite newspaper title ever should we redefine the word orwellian what a delightful title <laughs> and and completely misses the point george orwell's book 1984 was about redefining terms um what a delightful title that we re, the title for an article that we should redefine the word orwellian we cannot redefine calling something and i could go outside and say the sky is is orange and we could all agree that that color is orange but it's the exact same color we've just picked a different word we have to take a stance for truth. 
following Jesus is not what we want it to be. It's not subjective. He sets out what he wants us to do to follow him. Following Christ means more than just claiming his death on our behalf. It means to live his life. And if we don't do that, we don't have the right to call ourselves his followers. And if we don't have the right to call ourselves his followers, we don't have the right to call ourselves Christians. And if we don't have the right to call ourselves Christians, we are not saved. We must be united in his life and his ministry. And now we get to, and united in his death. That's, that's part two. Paul says this in verse 14. He emphasizes both baptism and the cross. I don't think it's an accident that he focuses on the beginning and the end. In Christianity, we like the phrase the alpha and the omega, uh, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet uh, of Jesus' ministry. The life of Christ is important. I don't want to, having just said all, all that I've said, I certainly don't want to, to brush past that. But we also must remember that it is his death that saves us from sin. And it's, easy, it's very easy to say that flippantly and miss the enormity of those words. Jesus Christ died to redeem all of us from our sins if we accept his death for us. That is the gospel. That is, that is the good news. To accept his death is... It's easy to just kind of say the words in your head as a mental ascent, but it's a little harder if you dig into it, which is, again, why I like to sit down and and talk with people about what this means. It means to admit that you are a sinner. It means to admit that your way doesn't work, will never work, that you cannot fix that problem in your life. Your way is wrong, and you are lost and damned and in need of a Savior. It is to admit that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And if you can't say that, you have no right calling yourself a Christian. You have no business following him. And that's a hard thing to admit that his way is the only way. See, too many people today want a version of Jesus tailored to their own needs and wants. Um, They treat Jesus Christ like an Android or an iPhone you know, it comes in whatever color you want. comes with all the modifications and attachments and plans that you want. His death is on his terms. His version is the only version. We're not, we're not interested in... in, in thing. And this is why it's so important when we talk about the church. What... The Christian churches and churches of Christ teach is where the Bible speaks, we speak, and where the Bible is silent, we're silent. There are essential, there, there are things that don't, it doesn't matter if we do communion before the sermon or after, does it? There's nothing in the Bible about that. In fact, my theory, my theory is that they would get together for church, and after church they would eat lunch together and they would do communion as part of the potluck effectively after church. I think that I think I can back that up with scripture. I think that that's how the original church did it. We know that the we know that the first Lord's Supper, the first communion was literally after Jesus and his disciples on you know on the Thursday before he was was killed was they had they did the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup after they had supper. I kind of think that the early church did that. Now, I don't see that there's a command in the New Testament you've got to do it this way. Some churches do one cup. I'm not into that. 
but I don't think that it's wrong. Um, some churches do these breads that you break, because the breaking of the bread, great, I'm not against it. Don't, I, I don't see that part as command. So I think that, there's, I think that there is room. I think that there's freedom to, to, within the church to kind of personalize and individualize for what fits your congregation, your community. Some churches, they still all dress up. Um, I, this is kind of dressed up for me. For me, it's very, I've got shoes on, it's very dressed up. But at the same point, every church kind of creates their own, their own look. And as long as it doesn't conflict with anything in the Bible, that's wonderful, it's great. It should, it should be, we'll talk more on that. But the essentials that are in the Bible are non-negotiable. They're, 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 they're not, if it's in here, there's no room to deviate from it. His death, how to follow him, that's on his terms. And if you don't like it, he's... He's going to be a terrible savior for you. Uh, there are no other saviors, let's be honest, but, but his, his sacrifice for you is meaningless if you're not going to follow him. Many people want to say today that there are lots of ways to salvation. We're, as a world, we're into pluralism. Back when I had a radio show back in the, in the 90s in Urbana, Illinois, um, station manager Mitt came to me, and, and great guy. And we were talking about starting this religious, uh, 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 this wasn't a Christian station at all. Um, Mick wasn't Christian. But we were talking about starting this religious show, and, and I had a friend, his name was also Jason. There are a lot of Jasons in my generation. Not my fault I wasn't born in this country. Um, there were, there were uh, uh, this other guy named Jason. We were going to do the show. Jason was into paganism, witchcraft kind of stuff. Good friend. And we were going to have this, this friendly conversation on air and invite guests in from all these different religions and talk religious matters. I'm disappointed that that show never materialized. But I remember there was a point that Mick said, I, he said, you're so friendly and you're so, you're, you're so welcoming to other people and you're very respectful, but it just boggles my mind that you believe that everybody that isn't you is wrong. And I said, well, I have, that's not at all what I believe. Just to be clear, I believe that everything that isn't biblical is wrong. Uh, it, Nothing to do with me. I do believe that this is the inerrant, sufficient, authoritative, infallible, divinely inspired, unique, universal book for humanity. Um, this book is everything, and and because I believe that, and this is the source of our of our salvation. Um, anything that doesn't follow this is wrong. That that's the core concept of Christianity. Um, and so, with, with that understanding, yeah, all the other religions are wrong. Islam, Buddhism, um, Hinduism, yeah. I think that they're, they, not because I think that the people are evil or terrible or, or horrible people. Not because I think that I'm good and amazing and people should get on the, my team. Having looked at the examples out there, this book holds up. It holds up better than any of the others. The gospel presented in the Bible is truth. And, and I didn't say it. Jesus was the one that says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Either that is a true statement, or it's not. if it's not, he's either a liar or he's insane. But if it's a true statement, then yeah, all the other religions are wrong. We don't have the freedom to change his words or his death. Jesus is non-negotiable. It's all or nothing. There's either lordship where he gets 100% or there's not lordship. And it doesn't matter if you give him 99% or 0%, it's not lordship. It's all or nothing.
So we are united in his life and ministry. We are united in his death. We are united then together in his purpose. In verse 10, Paul says that he desires to see us united perfectly in thought and in mind. Um, Anybody remember the movie Village of the Damned? Old black and white 1960s one, not the 1990s one with Christopher Reeve and, and Kirstie Alley. That one wasn't any good. The old black and white one uh, was a, it's one of my, probably my favorite horror movie um, about a village where there are these kids that are born and they're all ash blonde hair, blue eyes, and they can read your mind. And they're absolutely creepy. It's a wonderful, spooky movie. Um, and, and, and in this town of Stepford, these, these, these kids grow up and they're identical. They're, they're, they're absolutely, they, they walk together, they talk together, they think the same thoughts. Um, we, we remember the, uh, uh, history since then, you know, here we are 60 years later, and they, they, they refer to those kids as the Stepford Cuckoos. Um, and let me say that that's not what God wants from us. He doesn't want people that all look alike and talk alike and walk alike and are identical. Your Christian walk is unique. I, I, when we talk about unity, we're not talking about watching the same TV shows. We're not talking about reading the same books, uh, different favorite books of the Bible, different things you're focusing on. I, I, I've shared, I had a, a, a gal in my previous church. She was also my neighbor. And, uh, and she just read the book of John every week. I loved that. She was an expert in the book of John. I know that she has read the book of John more than I have. I think that's fantastic. If I had a question about the book of John, I'd probably give her a call. Um, that was just her favorite book, and, and, and she camped in it. Um, Man, I love, the, I love the prophets. I love the minor prophets. I don't know why. Um, but Hosea through Malachi, I really enjoy those books. I, en- I enjoy the depth in these little short books. I think they're a lot of fun. Um, likewise, God gives us different gifts. We have musicians. We have teachers. Um, we have, I'm, I'm always grateful for, for people that are good with tools. I'm not. Those kind of people are good about changing light bulbs and fixing broken pipes, and, and, and I appreciate that. Uh, I'm glad we're not all the same. There's even room where the Bible is vague to disagree on things that aren't what, I, what, what some people call first-tier first items are things like Jesus is Lord. There's no room to disagree on that. We're studying the book of Judges in my, in my Sunday school class. I think that Judges is a little more tribal than I was raised on. Meaning, I think when we read about Deborah or Ehud or Shamgar or any of these other guys, I, I think that they were kind of regional. I think that Deborah was judge of some tribes. And I, think, and I think that that's how the timeline fits a little better, trying to cram all these judges into the same, you know, it's either a really long book or, or you know, I think that these judges, some of them lived at the same time as each other. You don't have to believe that. You don't have to agree with me because the Bible doesn't really tell us. Um, maybe, maybe it was one judge after the other. Maybe in different regions of this very 12 tribal, no king era, maybe they kind of overlapped with each other a bit. I think there's room to disagree on that. Agree to disagree because it's not a, it's not a core issue, is it? There, there's that freedom. But we cannot be divided about the mission of the church why we're here, what we're doing. So when Paul talks about being divided in mind and thought, that's what he's talking about, the purpose of the church, what we're doing. Um, 
when Paul says divided in mind and thought, he means are we working together as the bride of Christ? There will always be, dis- again, there will always be disagreements. So we've got two different words. We've got disagreements and divisions. There will always be disagreements. Okay? Um, you know, we might decide to, the classic example that splits churches, stupid as it is, we might decide to reupholster the pews one day and we might have people leave because they don't like the new color, which is stupid because it's not a kingdom issue. You can totally, if we were to reupholster it, who knows, we might ask people. What color do you, that I know of, we're not doing these. The pews still look good to me. So don't, don't all everybody get mad and say they're getting ready to change my pews. We might actually ask and say, hey, we're looking at a new color scheme. What, what's your opinion? And you're allowed to disagree on that kind of stuff, right? We've got disagreements, but then we've got divisions. And you know the Greek word for divisions already. The Greek word for divisions is schisms, schisma. Um, there can't be any schisms in the church. If we're following various leaders instead of the Bible, we will have we, we as a church will suffer. We're not called to follow preachers or elders or denominations. We're called to follow Jesus. I, I like the ministerial coalition that I've been able to be a part of here for the last eight years. And I like the one that I was a part of in Illinois for, for, for ten years. And the reason I can work with these churches is... is yeah, I don't agree with all of their theology. I don't agree with all of their interpretations. But if what these churches are teaching is this book is true and Jesus is Lord, I'm okay with that. I can work with that because I agree this book is true and Jesus is Lord. And if we're following this book, I think we'll end up okay. If we follow Jesus Christ, if we are pursuing him, we will draw together. Yep. Think of... Mental picture. Some people are better at imagining than others. Think of a big old sun, sunflower. Or you can do a pinwheel. Something, something with, with leaves that spread out from the center. We are all spread around there. But Jesus is the center. And the more Christ-like we become, there's less difference between us. As we move to the center, the little stuff doesn't matter. As we become more Christ-like, we become who we are called to be. God has called us into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We must draw close to him, not to First Church of Christ, not, not to Jason, just Jesus. And if we are all focusing on Jesus Christ, nothing else, we will be united. And if we agree that he calls the shots, then we have his agenda. And if we have his agenda, we can, you know, and his agenda is that people will be saved. That, that, that can be a very negative word. But the church has an agenda. It's got to be God's agenda, and that agenda is that lost people need to be saved. We will grow. We will grow in maturity. We will grow in numbers as we bring people to Christ. A church that has only his purpose, not our comforts, not our, not our soapboxes, we will get the job done. We will focus on evangelism. God wants to save the lost. God wants us to serve others. And so our hymn of decision today... <laughs> is hymn number 320, Room at the Cross. This is a church that believes that Jesus Christ alone has the keys to salvation. If you believe that, and you're not a member of the church, I'd love to talk with you after church about 
church membership, why we do it. It's not a biblical thing, but it's, again, that's one of those agree to disagree kind of things. I like church membership. You don't have to, but I enjoy it. Love to talk with you about that. Baptism is a biblical thing. If you're not baptized, uh, I'd love to have that conversation with you. Uh, But if you are baptized, let's have that conversation maybe about church membership at some point. It doesn't have to be today, um, but I think I I like this church. I like, I, the goal is to be as biblical as we can. That's why I'm still here. Uh, I, think we're, I think we're doing our best. Uh, and if you'd like to be a part of the church, I would love to talk with you about that. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.